Sir, welcome to the Vol Bros. My name is Evan. This is my brother Rustin, and we are two Vol Bros who are actually bros in real life. And it has been a very busy weekend on Rocky Top. Yesterday, a sold-out crowd in Thompson Bowling Arena, excuse me, the Food City Center at Thompson Bowling Arena, uh, saw a fantastic basketball game. Uh, Rustin actually texted me during the, uh, the the first media timeout saying, well, CBS has to love what they just got for the first five minutes of that game. He was exactly right. It was incredible back and forth action the first six minutes there until that first media timeout. Um, Rustin, what were your initial thoughts and takeaways from what you saw yesterday? We're at full strength. We're really good. Um, you know, that's, that was a very good, that was a very good Illinois team that I think probably has all the makings of a sweet 16 team. Um, they got a lot of length, a lot of athleticism, guys that can shoot. Um, that's an impressive bunch. And Brad Underwood always finds ways to go deep in March. Um, you know, so that's, that, that was an impressive win. Um, I, I love, I love what Rick Barnes is doing with this bunch. Um, it's probably not a popular opinion, but I love the fact that he benched Freddie DeLeon and JP Estrella and Cade Phillips. And after the game, he was asked why none of them played. And he said, because they didn't take preparation seriously. I love that. He's got eight dudes that he knows he can trust. And if the three young ones don't want to get motivated and do what they're supposed to do, he'll just ride the eight. He knows he has, um, you know, so I, I thought, going into that game, knowing they were only going to play those eight, the way they rotated made a lot more sense after the game. Um, you know, that it was, I thought it was a pretty complete game. Yeah. I love the ball movement. That was one of the main things that I just, it was beautiful, beautiful. Like in a minute, we'll do our plays of the game and uh, mine was centered around how quickly they moved the ball. And, and it was just, beautiful uh to watch uh you know the biggest thing i saw yesterday was we didn't see a long stretch where they couldn't hit anything um that was that was a big deal and that showed in the score i mean they they scored 80 something points so i mean was it 80 86 79 i think it was the final score yep and so you know you score 86 points in a game you were consistently scoring throughout the game like that it was not a repeat of Kansas where there was an eight-minute stretch where there was just hardly anything. Um, and that's huge. That's huge for this team. Uh, I thought that Zakai Ziegler put the team on his back in the last five minutes of the game because he was the only one consistently hitting free throws. I don't know if Zakai missed a free throw in the last five minutes of the game. Um, whereas – He was six of six. There you go. Uh, whereas uh, Santi missed a, f- a free throw. Josiah Jordan-James missed a free throw. Uh, Jonas Adu missed a free throw all in the last five minutes. So um, we've said this over and over and over, over and over and over. And it was cool hearing Jay Wright say it during the game last night. Um, Every March, the team that is able to go deep in March is a team who has a point guard who can make foul shots down the the stretch when the other team's having to foul to stop the clock. Yep. That's how you win games in March. And Tennessee has that. Uh, Zakai proved that yesterday. Uh, when you have Vescovy, Z- Zakai, and Dalton Kinnett all on the floor at the same time, it's difficult to pass. And usually Josiah Jordan-James, it's difficult to pass the ball to someone who you won't feel confident 
when they're walking up to the free throw line. And that is a major luxury for Tennessee. And Jay Wright mentioned that near the end of the game yesterday too, which side note, he was a joy to listen to. It was very, very nice listening to him. So Rustin, let's jump into, before we go to the comments here, we got a bunch coming through. That's awesome. Man, Brant's bringing the fire with some of his, uh, his comments already. Um, his questions there. So Rustin, what was your play of the game yesterday? If you had to pick one, what was your play of the game? Um, so I think it got lost in the shuffle of, of the game as it went, but with about 13, 13 to 14 minutes left in the game, um, we were up by three. Um, we missed a jumper, looked like an easy rebound for them. Out of nowhere, Jemai showed up in the screen, tipped it away from their rebounder, created a loose ball, then somehow found a way to get the loose ball And then as he was falling out of bounds, kicks it to Dalton Connect wide open at the top of the key for a a three that made it a six-point game, and it never got closer. Um, I thought that was the turning point in the game. I thought Jemai – I thought all day long, Jemai Jemai needs more minutes. Like They've got to find a way to get him on the court more. He played 15 minutes. He needed 25. Um, The guy just does everything well. And – we need the recruiting pro- profile needs to be that we always have at least one Jemai Meshack on that roster. He he is <laughs> such a difference maker. Um, does everything well. If you are uh, listening right now or watching with us right now, let us know in the comments what your play of the game was. Uh, Zach, welcome, buddy. Good to have you with us. He said his play of the game was a dunk by Josiah Jordan James, and so there were two of them. I'm guessing. Which- which came off of a slash by Jemai Meshack. So there were there were two dunks that Josiah Jordan James had. Um, so I have three ranked order. <laughs> My play of the game. My I'll, sure I'll play go, is singular. But yeah, okay. no, I'm I'm breaking the rules here a little bit. Uh, I'll go in in ascending order, I guess. No, or descending. I don't know. Whatever, however you want to get it. Uh, so my number three play of the game, so my runner-up runner up play uh, was, and the people are going to be really upset with this because this was uh, a lot of people's play of the game. Um, when Zakai Ziegler stole the ball from that, knocked the ball away from the dude uh, near half court, dove for the loose ball, got the loose ball, passed it to Josiah, and he finished with a slam. And Zakai turned around and looked at the guy like this, and he stole the ball from him. That was my runner-up, runner-up play of the game, because it was a huge message. And you know, like um, it was a huge message that uh, you know we're going to scrap, we're going to we're going to fight, we're going to play hard defense. Now, what what is humorous about that is there was a guy on Twitter. I should I should have saved it and shown it on the screen here. There was a guy on Twitter who said that. Literally the play before that happened, an Illinois fan who was sitting beside him yelled, yelled to the guy that was dribbling the ball, Z can't guard you like that, telling him, you know, you can just go past him. And then uh, the guy, uh, next trip up the court, Zakai does that. And the guy who was sitting next to Illinois guy goes, he can guard you. <laughs> 
um yeah he said he he, uh, he had so much fun shouting that right next to the dude who had just said the opposite uh zach said the announcers uh said a new york stare off though they sure did um let's see tony said i would get welcome tony good to have you he said i would give mayshack about five of jjj's minutes i would give him about five of jordan ganey's minutes so brant he mentioned my runner-up play of the game uh, welcome, Brent. Good to have you, buddy. He said, love seeing Josiah just driving the lane and exploding to the basket with that dunk. So that was my runner-up play of the game. The reason it is my runner-up play of the game, it was almost my play of the game. But the reason it's my runner-up play of the game is because I went back and watched it at least two more times, rewound it when I was watching it there. He jumped from the SEC logo. Yep. And it and it wasn't like one of those things where part of his foot was on the logo and the other part was in front of it. No, no, no. <laughs> his entire foot was on the logo. He jumped from the logo and jammed it. It was awesome. Uh, as Dick Vitale would say, it was awesome, baby, with a capital A. Uh, it sure was. It was incredible. He jumped from the logo. <laughs> Uh, that is fantastic. So uh, that was my runner-up play of the game. But my play of the game happened in the first half. Uh, Zakai caught the ball on the wing closest to the camera <laughs> and uh, drove to the baseline, made a bounce pass to Josiah, cutting back door. Josiah goes up and then wraps a pass around the defender to Jonas Adu, who slams it down with authority. It was absolutely beautiful. Just beautiful ball movement. Finished with a slam. Uh, easily my play of the game. I loved it. I loved it. I love seeing that ball movement like that. The team working together. Uh, man, oh, man, that was some good stuff. I loved it. Uh, let's see what some other folks are uh, uh, said about the game so far, and then we'll get to our player of the game. Uh, Zach said he loved the uniforms they wore. Awesome win. After the game, I checked the other teams in the SEC, and nobody ahead of us had played one. Uh, played anyone. So uh, I agree. Those those cream jerseys, man, those are those are beautiful. I really like them. I love the old school script on them. Looks great. I love them. Um, Zach said I do have one critical thing to say. You have to make free throws. Yeah, no doubt. Um, like you, you got to make free throws. And that is something that they struggled to do late in the game yesterday. I think the good news is they were, were actually getting to the free throw line, which is rare. Yeah. But, I, mean. I think the timing was a little misleading because they were actually 26 of 34 at the free throw line. They just missed oh, okay. a couple a in key moments. I mean, overall, yeah, they point. actually shot the ball pretty well. So there's, I've probably got some recency bias there. That's, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, let's see. What else we got? Do, 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 do. Brent, welcome, Brent. Uh, Brent said, what's up, fellas? Huge win yesterday. Proud of this team for coming up with a W. Ziegler was better, and Kinnett is just special. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, Brent, welcome, Brent. Uh, already, welcome, Brent. Welcome again, Brent. Uh, he said, Tobey might be my favorite basketball. Tough as they come, a smart dude. Loves to read some deep stuff. No doubt. That, that was fascinating. He's reading like mere Christianity right now, and um, he hustles his tail off when he's on the court. Uh, he is a rebounding machine. Um, Zach last year likened Awaka to Dennis Rodman and Charles Barkley a few times just because he's always rebounding, always. And you need people like that on your team. 
Uh, Brant made a great point. He said, good to see Sonny back and seemingly having fun. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, that was more like what we're used to seeing yesterday. Yeah. And he had a fantastic game. That was the most comfortable he's looked in a while. Totally agree. Uh, Zach said Ganey is good, but sometimes he's a ball hog. Uh, I can understand why people would say that. I think he's being told to shoot the ball though. Yeah. Because he's he can a, shoot it. In the basketball world, he's what people call a volume shooter. Um, now, the one thing you have to know about a volume shooter is they need shots. and But they know immediately if it's going to be a good half or not. And the reason I say half is for volume shooters, let's say Jordan Ganey came out in the first few minutes, he wasn't hitting. He's not going to hit the rest of the half. But he can go in at halftime, sit down, get a breather, come back out, and warm up, see a few balls go through, and it's like it started a whole new game, and you got to give him more shots to start the second half to see if somehow all of a sudden he found his stroke. Um, so it's not that he's a ball hog. They just don't know what he can do until he does it. And so that's why I say I'd like to take some of his minutes away. Like in the first half when he missed a few shots, it wasn't going to get any better. They should have played Jemai more. Um, but he came out after halftime. Apparently, he saw some balls go in during warm-ups. When he got opportunities, he hit shots. So, you know, that's just the risk you run with a volume shooter. That's just who they are. Um, I, You know, I, I would I would remind everyone of the exhibition game at Michigan State. Uh, Jordan Ganey was one of the leading scorers on the team that day uh, because he people coming out of that game, people like, man, Ganey can shoot the ball. Uh, that's all you saw on Twitter. Like we got to get Ganey the ball. Yeah. Um, he's just a streaky shooter. And yeah. so when he, when he, when he, it's, it's funny, you know, we, we always say in baseball, hitting's contagious and basketball shooting is contagious. Uh, when you start seeing shots go through the nets, all of a sudden the nets look a little bit bigger. Uh, and so uh, it's easier to hit. It's, it's, it's weird how it works, but it, it happens. Um, Let's see. Tony agreed that Ganey may need his minutes reduced a little bit there. Brant said those uniforms are fire. That's the baseball jersey I've got and wear for good luck. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. That baseball jersey, is the Sunday creams are easily my favorite jersey. Um, I think they're Rustin's favorite jersey, too. Are they your favorite jersey? Yeah. Yep. I mean, they're awesome. Uh, Tony said, I love Vescovy and Ziegler, but Kinnett is the man. He's different. That's a good way of describing him. He's different. Absolutely. Absolutely. He has the rare finishing ability that most people don't have. He somehow finds a way to get the ball in the glass. It's similar to watching Steph Curry when he drives. Like sometimes he's at the weirdest angles and you're like, what is he doing? Then all of a sudden he just finds the perfect angle off the glass and it goes in. You're like, okay, he knew. Um, It's wild to watch. Yeah. He's different. That's a good way of saying he's, he's special. Absolutely. Uh, Zach said he still thinks that Awaka reminds him of Dennis Robin and Charles Barkley, the way he rebounds. Brent asked a great question about football. So I'm going to star that because we're going to come. I was actually going to talk about that later on in the show anyway. Uh, we were going to come to that topic eventually. So, uh, Brent, we're going to come back to that comment for sure because that's a great question. Uh, Brent said, good point. Ganey reminds me of Key last year, streaky. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Um <laughs> Tony said, I've been begging JJJ to take the ball to the basket for the last four years. Hope he continues to do so. Man, hey, the you know what was funny about that that drive when he took off from the 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 logo? 
there were three defenders that could have stepped in front of him and all of them were just like, uh, no thanks. <laughs> and they just let him go, man. They just let him go. Uh, that was hilarious. I don't know if it was one of the new assistants that brought it, if it was Greg Polinski or if Rick Barnes is just really starting to open up his mind to some things. But I love the fact that he has incorporated so much of the dribble drive offense into his normal stuff. Um, for those of you who don't know what that looks like, so for example, on on Josiah's dunk, in the dribble drive offense, when somebody attacks the basket, the opposite wing rotates behind them. And so if they don't get to the basket, they can kick it back to that guy, and that guy can immediately come into the gap that they just created. And that's how that's how Josiah got that dunk. Jemai penetrated deep into the paint, got stopped kicked it back to Josiah, but because he was already moving into that same gap, it was still open. Um, you know, I, I, that's, that's been needed. They, they've had a hard time getting to the basket the last few years <clears throat> and just a simple adjustment of adding that into everything that they do. You, you see it happen a lot. They get a lot more attacks to the basket than they have previously. So talking about the Sunday cream jerseys, got Zach thinking about baseball. Zach said, just two more months till baseball. Oh, man. He's, he wants it sooner than that. He said, but positive side, glass half full. That's why we love Zach. Uh, he said, but two, just two more months until the start of the Tony V revenge tour. <laughs> uh, Brent said, good to see Adu play and not get in early foul trouble. Absolutely. So that was wild. So, there, you know, there, there's supposed to be a media timeout every four minutes. So the first media timeout is at the under 16 whistle. Yesterday, the first media timeout was at almost the 14 minute mark. I think it was 1406 or something like that when the, the first media timeout happened, which means that there was at least a minute and 58 seconds or four, 54 seconds where there was no whistle, but it was a while before that too. I think, I think we went, I, I need to go back and watch, but I think we went probably four minutes, maybe more without a whistle. Uh, that is awesome because here's what that means. That means you're seeing really, really good basketball. And it was, uh, both teams were playing excellent defense, but also excellent offense at the same time. If you were a basketball fan, you loved the first six minutes of that game yesterday. That means nobody was turning the ball over, like passing it out of bounds or anything like that. Nobody was traveling. Nobody, I mean, it was just good basketball that the, the referees didn't even need to blow their whistle for I, I think it was probably four minutes. I'll have to go back and look, but it was a while and it was awesome. Uh let's see. Zach said, Oh, good question, Zach. Uh Zach said, Do you see us reaching 90 or a hundred points on Tuesday? So Tennessee plays in Thompson Bowling Arena Tuesday night against Georgia Southern. Uh, do you see a score reaching 90 or 100 against Georgia Southern, or do you see us playing to the competition? I think they're going to score 90 at least. I'll put it to you this way. I just tallied it up. Georgia Southern is currently 0-9. In those nine losses, seven of them, the opponent has scored at least 80 points. And I'll, I mean, just, it, and I'll just say it this way. There's nobody they've played yet that's as good as us. So... I mean, I guess it's a situation where we could say we should score at least 90. We should. 
But who knows when we're going to have a stretch like we did against Kansas where there's eight minutes and we can't shoot it at all. Surely that won't happen in that game because we can take it to the basket and that kind of stuff. Kennesaw State scored 96 on them. There you go. Uh, Zach said, so you're saying we're going to score 160? (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) I'm answering your first question. I think we'll get somewhere between 90 and 100. (laughs) Nice. Very good. Very good. Well, let's go to our play player, or excuse me, player of the game. Uh, Rustin, who was your player of the game? I mean, the best player on the court was Dalton Connect. I mean, that's, sure. I mean, it's like Brad Underwood said after the game, he's going to be playing in a different league next year. Um, you know, it, it is, it is what it is. But as good as Dalton was, I still stand by what I was saying a second ago. I don't think we win that game if it's not for Jemima Meshack. I think he came in and completely changed that in the second half. I think it completely changed the tone and tempo and and every phase of that game. And he gave us a massive lift. Um, I'm going to go a little bit off the rail. I mean, obviously, we could say the best player on the court was Dalton for sure. I mean, like, there's no doubt. I'm going to go a little bit in a different route, and I'm going to say my player of the game was Santiago Vescovi. Uh, he, the reason I say that is, is not so much for what happened yesterday because it was. I mean, he always had he was one rebound shy of a double double. Yep. Um, but what we saw from him yesterday is vitally important moving forward. Because from this point forward, they need that Santiago Vescovi that showed up yesterday. They need him every game. And Jay Wright was even saying that during the broadcast. He was saying, you know, he's the guy that makes this offense go and has made it go for the last few years. Um, he's that guy. And so they need him. You know, yesterday we got we got shades of what we've seen in the past. Like, for example, that corner three where he was fading away and he caught the ball and quickly got it up, got his shoulder square and got it up. That was beautiful. I mean, that was just absolutely beautiful, beautiful. Um, you know, then on the, uh, he goes coast to coast uh, with, you know, gets a rebound on one end of the court, out, out runs past the defense, uh, the length of the court, and then drops it over his shoulder to Jemai Meshack coming behind him for a layup. That was beautiful. That was a beautiful play. Uh, that would have been my runner-up, runner-up, runner-up play, the number four play. <laughs> Um, I mean, like th- those are things we saw him doing last year and years prior that we hadn't yet seen this year, except for one game. I think it was the uh, it was the game after Kansas, whoever that was. I can't remember. Um, so you know that's that's what we that's what we need to see from him, and and it it was very very encouraging to see that. Uh, and then you know after he made that dish behind his shoulder over his shoulder, Jemai. He had a big smile going down his down the court. That was great, man. That was an He's insane having fun. pass. I don't know how he saw him. From the angle he penetrated to the basket, I have no idea how he saw him. It was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, Brant said, isn't it nice to have the program where it is now? I'm old enough to remember when we couldn't make the NIT. <laughs> yep. Amen, brother. Absolutely. Zach said his player of the game was Jonas Adu. That's a great choice. Mm-hmm. Adu had a great game. Uh, so Brant uh, asked his, his – uh, I start a question from Brand at the beginning. Yes, again, so I'm gonna put it up on screen here. Uh, Zach said I pick Kinnett or Awaka most almost every time, so I'm changing it up this time. <laughs> I totally get it, man. All right, so let's go to to Brant's initial question because Brand asked this 
uh, right before we went live and, and I started because I thought it was a great question. And so Brent asked, is Dalton Connett the best overall player at UT since Allen Houston? Uh, I mean, that's, that's a, I don't, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Chris, Chris Lofton's think, the best shooter. Okay. Thank you. You said I mean, you, that's exact. Chris Lofton's probably the best shooter ever to put on a Tennessee Jersey, but that says best overall player. And there's yeah. a lot more to Dalton connects game than Chris Lofton's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that, that, that was what I was going to come to. It was, I think the key word there is overall. I think that's the key word because okay the the move that dalton had yesterday where he drove the right side of the lane and elevated and finger rolled it over the top of two guys chris lofton ain't gonna do that <laughs> like that's not happening he's, he's <laughs> not he's not even gonna try it he knows better. yeah yeah so you know it's stuff like that is what would make dalton a better overall player if we're just talking about better shooter then it's not even close it's chris lofton he had that um, one play where he he drove from the like right wing, got in the middle of the lane, did a euro step, and somehow got to the opposite side of the lane, and yeah. then a left handed finger roll with his arm completely outstretched yeah. away from the defender, and it's like off his left foot too. How how foot. like yeah. how do you even do that? Um, it's just different. Tony said, "Connect can create his own shot. Not many people can do that." uh zach said connect and it's not just it's not just the threes and getting to the basket he's got the mid-range game too like anytime he wants to he can stop and shoot it's it's incredible well and you know another thing that people could say in favor of chris like i can't think of another person other than chris lofton who would be considered in the same conversation right now right um you know I, i think that another thing that people might say for in favor of chris lofton is well Okay, but he's a guy that you can just give him the ball and say, okay, go score. Take take over the game. Well, we've seen Rick Barnes do that already with Dalton as well. Uh, it was at the end of the um, North Carolina game. So, I don't know, maybe the last, what, six minutes? Maybe not that much. Maybe five minutes of the game? The offense was give the ball to Dalton. Like yeah, that was the offense. Screen. Just give him the ball, high ball screen. Let's go. And I mean, it it wasn't even like they were bringing the ball up the court, letting Dalton get open off a screen or something on the wing and pass to him. Uh, uh-uh. he was bringing the ball up the court, like the literally from ninety ninety something feet, ninety four feet from baseline to baseline. They were like, "Here's the ball, Dalton, go score." Um, there has been no one, no one at Tennessee that they could say that to since Chris Lofton. And so, you know, that that argument in favor of Chris Lofton would also apply to Dalton. So, I mean, I don't I th- I think Grant I, th- I mean, I think Brant makes a really good point here. I mean, the only guy in the same category would be Chris Lofton and Dalton can do things that Chris can't. Yeah. And so now, I think if I think if coach Barnes had taken the handcuffs off Grant and allowed him to float around a little more and shoot the ball more from the perimeter like the Celtics did when he got to the NBA, we might be having that conversation about Grant because sure. that wasn't just something he magically learned thing. to do in the NBA. 
They just handcuffed yeah. him when he was at Tennessee. Um, I would have liked to have seen him more free flowing with the ability to float out, knock down threes when, when they don't come guard him, but he's just never really given the option. Um, Zach makes a good point. He said Tobias Harris is up there too. Grant Williams. I agree, but he wasn't as good of a shooter. Yeah. Like that's what Tobias, I was Tobias became a better shooter when he got to the NBA and he could focus on growing his shot. He wasn't that great of a shooter at Tennessee. Yeah, that's 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 what I was gonna say. Was he he's probably not as good of a shooter as Dalton is right now. Um, Brant said Allen Houston was amazing on some terrible teams. Kinnett seems like he's from the same mold, and uh, and now has a better supporting cast. Let's go ahead and get Sweet Sixteen tickets. Hey man, I I love it absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Brant, that is a fan. Thank you so much for bringing that question to us because that is a fantastic question. That was fun to talk about. So, Brent, we really, really appreciate that. Um, that that's fun stuff right there. That's fun. Uh, Brent said, I know this is a basketball. Okay, so this is – I saved this one because I knew we'd get here. There's <laughs> a lot's going on. A lot's going on in the port. Okay, did you know – this blew my mind. Last – what is this, Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> uh, last Monday, December the 4th, was officially the opening day of the transfer portal. 1,138 players. 1,000. <laughs> that number blows my mind. 1,138 players entered the portal on Monday, the first day. And there have been more since then. Uh, I saw a thing earlier today. It was, uh, oh, goodness, who was it? North Carolina is currently second with 15 transfer or portal, uh, 15 players who entered the transfer portal. They, they were at number two at 15. There was another team that was number one at 19. They had 19 guys who had entered the transfer portal thus far. And I'm trying to remember who it was, and I cannot remember it. Um, well, it's like I told you, I mean, at one point, and it may be worse now, but at one point, Ohio State if you took their two deep, so top 22 on each side of the ball, offense and defense, top 44 players essentially, 11 of them entered the portal on day one. So 25% of their two deep chart was in the portal on Monday. <laughs> hmm. uh, I was going to try to see if I could find it real quick. I can't find it. Um, that's frustrating because I, I was like, I, I didn't write it down because I was like, oh, I'll remember that. Well, I forgot. <laughs> Um, so, you know, there are people transferring left and right. Um, so let's start with the second part of Brent's question. He said the Tyler Barron and Danico Slaughter lost to the portal. Is the sky falling? It's a great question. Um, I don't think so. I would actually propose that this is a good thing that Danico entered the portal. And I do not mean anything negative towards Nico by saying that. I'm trying to read between the lines. And I think what that means, that Danico entered the portal, I think that is an indicator that he knows Gabe Judy Lawley is returning, which is good news for Tennessee fans. We want Gabe Judy Lawley to return. And I think he understands that there are younger players who – 
demonstrated, like Ricky Gibson near the end of the year there, who demonstrated that they they got talent. And I think that Danico may be aware that there is a, a fairly good chance that he might get beat out by younger talent next year. He only has one year of eligibility left. And so he, he announced today that he is going to Georgia Tech. No, that's Warren and, Burrell. Oh, yeah, my bad. I meant Warren Burrell. Um, so, well, same same situation. Yeah. Um, you know, Warren has one year of eligibility left. And so both of those guys, I think they see the writing. I'm hoping that they. this is what's going on. I'm hoping that they see the writing on the wall that they're going to get left out next year a little bit. Uh, they're they're going to be second and third string behind, or second string probably, behind younger guys, and they want to be the guy. And so like Warren, Warren Burrell, I mean, think about Warren Burrell's career at Tennessee. He started at cornerback as a true freshman because at the time he was our best corner as a true freshman. And now he's he's leaving because there are other people who are better than him. Yeah, I mean, something that's a else good sign for us. Yeah, something else that's probably playing into that decision, you know, very high probability Willie Martinez is retiring after the bowl game. Um, and it will be after the bowl game because they don't want to hurt the recruiting class that's coming in. They want to make sure they get them on campus, especially the early enrollees. Um, get them to signing day, get them there. Um, yeah, Willie Martinez has always had a propensity to play the older guys. And so if you're Warren Burrell, Danico Slaughter, you're in that locker room, you know Coach Martinez is probably not coming back. You're looking around that locker room and going, that Gibson kid's pretty good. That Christian Conyers kid, he's pretty good too. Um, we've signed a couple of DBs coming in that are pretty good players. You know, Mike Matthews is just as good at corner as he is a wide receiver. What if he gets there and they go, hey, we're going to give him a shot? Um, you know, so they, I'm sure they're looking around the room and going, depending on who replaces Coach Martinez, they may not be so, um, you know, so apt to only play older guys. And, you know, you can't gamble with that. You've got to, you got to go where you can make sure you're seen. Warren Burrell sure. going to Georgia Tech was a fantastic thing. He's from Sewanee, gets to finish his career in front of his family. That was that was a great signing. They need help in the secondary. He can go start right away. That that's a I'm really happy for him. That's a really good spot. So Zach said, so you transferred to go to a losing team. And not necessarily. They're transferring to go to a team where they know they're gonna see the field. Yeah. That's, and that's Georgia Tech's Georgia Tech's on the rise. Brent Key's doing a really good job down there. They're don't be surprised um, if next year they're a bowl team. I mean, you know, he knows. Warren Burrell knows he goes in there. There's not anybody better than him on that, in that secondary. And so he knows he'll see the field day one. Um, Tyler Barron. This one intrigues me actually. So, uh, I don't know who sang the song. I should know that, but money, 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 money. Uh, so here's the deal. The transfer portal has become all about money this year. Juice Wells. Austin Price was talking about this on their podcast the other day. Juice Wells is almost actively making it known that he's going to the highest bidder. 
I mean, he's straight up essentially letting people know that ahead of time. Like I'm going to where who's going to pay me the most. Um, I love on three sports. I love on three sports. They have done awesome stuff. I'm so excited for Grant Frere King, a Tennessee volunteer who is now their national, you know, NIL guy. But they are, they are, I think on three might be fueling the transfer portal a little bit with their, NIL value amount that they put on each player. Right now, Tyler Barron has an NIL estimated worth of $350,000, $355,000. So I guarantee you, he's out there telling teams, you give me $355,000, I'm coming. Uh, I I mean, why would players not do that? They have a national agency telling them, this is how much money you're worth. And they're going to go try to find a team that's going to pay them that amount of money. I mean, that just makes sense that players would do that. And so I'm sure, I'm sure that's what's going on. Do I know that for a fact? No. Do I think that's a pretty daggum good guess? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, Zach helped me out. He thinks it's Abba that's saying that. Right. There you go. Um, appreciate that. Teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work here. I, I do think there's two other potential issues taking place here. And I think you're right. I think some of it is NIL. Um, you know, because James Pierce, I'm sure, is commanding a pretty penny right now. Um, so oh, yeah, you know, their their existing roster has to be held intact. Um, James and Pierce currently has teams telling him they will pay him two hundred fifty thousand dollars to come play for them. Yeah. So you know when you're when you're trying to keep your current roster intact, you can't really offer money to a guy that is kind of hedging his bets. Um, and only has one year left. Well, and maybe not that because the the other thing I was going to say is some of this is I enter the per- portal just in case I don't like my draft grade. Um. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if Tyler Barron likes his draft grade, Tyler Barron's going in the draft. Because yeah. um, there are very few NIL programs out there, especially for an extra year defensive end that's going to get remotely close to what the NFL will pay. Um, sure. The other thing that I think everybody has to keep in mind here, the coaches are in a really difficult place because they're constantly having to think through roster management. Yes. They've got kids that they've made promises to, like a Joshua Josephs, like a Sean Davian Bradley, like a Jordan Ross coming in, who they said, hey, yep. this guy's going to be gone and you're going to come in and play this role. Yep. Or, you know, you've got Joshua Josephs chomping at the bit, trying to figure out if he needs to stay at Tennessee. And you're going, hey, this guy's going to leave and you're going to walk into this role next year. So when all of a sudden that guy starts changing his mind and saying, oh, well, I think I want to stay, you can't. Like, we, we've already had this conversation. You said you were going pro. Sorry. You know, we, we've already made plans. Um, you know, they're also thinking about a year or two down the road and going, okay, when James Pierce goes pro after next year, Sean Davian Bradley is going to walk into his spot and we're going to recruit this guy that's going to move into his spot. And when one person changes their mind, it throws a monkey wrench in everything. 
Yeah. So they have to stick to the plan and they have to go, sorry, we already had this conversation. You said you were going pro go pro. And if that's not what you're doing, then throw your name in that portal because we don't have a spot for you anymore. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, Brant said, is it wrong for me to be sad to watch players essentially shaking down their own teams for more money? Better get used uh, to it. I mean, I agree with you, Brant. I, I totally understand that. It, you know, where is the sense of school pride and loyalty? But unfortunately, these these players, it's all about the money. I mean, it's, it's all about the money. And uh, I mean, okay, well, before we even go any further, let's talk about Marvin Harrison for a moment. There are now reports that Ohio State has boosters and donors who have accumulated, they're estimating 20 to $25 million to pay Marvin Harrison to come back and play next year. One year. 20 to $25 million for one year. I saw a tweet earlier today where they were comparing that, that number to current NFL players. And that one year of 20 to 25 million would be more than the cumulative total that Justin Jefferson has made as an NFL player that Justin Fields has made as an NFL player. Um, there were, there were several names on that list. I was like, Holy cow names that I was shocked to see on that list. And he would make it more, oh, it was almost double <laughs> uh, Marvin Harrison Sr.'s NFL earnings. Um, and it would just be in one year. One year. Unreal. Unreal. Um, I wish I could remember all the names on that list, but I can't pretty remember much, them all. Pretty much anybody who's in, been in the league for less than three years. Because yeah. those, those first three years, they have a cap on how much of a contract they can sign. So very few of them ever get over $25 million because of that, that cap. Um, yep. You know, now year four, mm, it changes a whole lot then. Yeah. Um, but those first three years, they're capped on what they can make. Zach makes a good point. He says, this might come off wrong. If you don't want to be here, then you don't have to be here. Something, you know, someone else can step up. And he said, it'd probably be someone better. And and uh, he said, don't just don't come around saying VFL because you're not. And he's exactly right. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I get that, you know. I understand that they want the money element of it. I get that. Uh, but it's hard to say VFL when you're wearing a different team's jersey, you know, on, on Saturdays. Um, going back to some other comments we had, I'm going to come back to Jordan, Jordan Seaton in a minute, but, uh, Brant said, love the show. If I was like, we appreciate that very much. Brant Zach said, forget Brant, forget the sweet 16. We're getting final four tickets. Um, <laughs> uh, let's just get to March. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brant said Jordan Seaton to a four win team, not even in his top three good wins. So here's my, here's my thing with that. I actually have quite a few feelings about that, but I'm not going to say almost all of them. I'll just say one or two of them. <laughs> um, the first indicator that Jordan might like attention was the fact that I would venture to guess he was the first ever recruit to announce his commitment on Skip Bayless's show. Uh, 
with Michael Irvin there and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I would be, I'd be surprised if he wasn't the first to ever do that, but you know what? Good for him. Good for him that he was invited to do that. Clearly a good football player, but he announces, uh, his top teams, one of which was Tennessee. I believe the other one was Alabama and the other was Ohio state. One was Oregon. I think those were his top four. Um, and then he puts on a cap, pulls out a cap out of a bag and says, I'm going to Colorado. And, uh, that's not one of the four teams he mentioned. Um, but he says, I'm, I'm going to Colorado. And then less than three hours later. So he just makes this announcement on live television and less than three hours later, he says, he hasn't yet rolled out an official visit to Oregon though. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? So I think I have to echo Brant's sentiments there. Uh, good riddance. <laughs> um, that, that may not be the personality that you want in your locker room. I'm just saying. Uh, we're sitting here talking about money, money, money. Well, he let's, is, he is all about that apparently. And, and, and let's just not mince words. Who's on that Skip Bayless show? Michael Irvin. Hmm. Shannon, yeah. Who's Michael Irvin work for? Well, Dion Sanders. <laughs> Barstool. Yeah. How did Dion get Jackson State to somehow sign the Hunter kid? Oh, wait. He got a massive endorsement deal with Barstool. I can't yeah. imagine how Jordan Seaton just magically ended up choosing Colorado over everyone else. And then he announces on a show with a Barstool employee. I'm sure that was just a coincidence. Yeah. Um, and, you know, also that Michael and Dion were teammates at, with the Cowboys and uh, they're good friends. De you know, Michael gave a pregame pep talk to the Colorado team, but I think before their third game this year. Dion has a oh. Dion's a Barstool employee. These Dion has a massive endorsement deal with Barstool. Like all this is connected, and it's yeah. anytime you see a big name guy choose to go to Colorado out of nowhere, I can guarantee you there's a Barstool endorsement deal somewhere in the wings. Yep. Uh, Brant said, "Usually I'm upset to lose a five star. Not in this case. I would agree with that. I totally agree." <laughs> Um, Zach, I love Zach's optimism. He says, Hey, Rustin March is easy with Ricky Bobby Barnes. <laughs> yeah. Let's get there healthy. Um, we've, we've had a bad history of injuries ending seasons. So let's, uh, let's be healthy. Uh, Lady Vols also won today. It was not an impressive win, uh, but they did win, which is good. They, I would say snuck out a win and, but. It's kind of that's kind of the case. Uh, they 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 got past Eastern Kentucky. I'll put it that way. I should not be saying those words that they got past Eastern Kentucky, but that's what happened. Um, so hopefully the Lady Vols can continue to, you know, right the ship. Uh, we'll we'll see. Good news um, is they're tweeting out videos of Rakia doing slide drills. That's usually that a good sign that she's about <laughs> ready to play. Um, yeah, that's a good sign. It's like, they're just telling the fans, just wait, just wait. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Yeah. 
it, there was no there was no hidden message there it was like hey back off she's almost ready yep yeah um you know somebody asked me this week actually you know, because there were rumors for a, a little bit that Rakia may not even be able to return this season, and would she return? And somebody was talking to me one day. We're sitting at lunch, and they said, "You know, you hate it for Holly that not Holly, sorry. <laughs> you hate it for Kelly that uh, <laughs> her um, her career at Tennessee might be tied to the performance of one player." And I get that. And, you know, I said, yeah, you're right. And I said, but the flip side of that is that's on Kelly, that the that her career at Tennessee may be tied yeah. to one player. That's on her. So uh, I hope that I hope that it works out. Um, this is going to sound really sexist, and I don't mean it to, but I really wish that women's basketball coaches recognize their staff and what their staff is capable of and what it's not capable of and staff appropriately. Um, when I watch what we do X's and O's wise, it ain't great. And, and it tells me that we've got a staff of recruiters because we recruited a high level. I mean, we, we get pretty much anybody we want. Um, who don't really understand the X's and O's of the game and don't, don't create opportunities for certain players. You know, as soon as Rakia went out, we should have been running quick hitters for Jewel Spear, quick hitters for Jillian Hollingshed, you know, different things to try to get people involved intentionally. We don't do it ever. We're running the exact same stuff. Um, yeah, I understand. And who's our leading uh, scorer? Carolyn Striplin. Who's she in the game for? Rakia Jackson. So we're literally running the exact same stuff. And Carolyn's just getting Caroline's just getting the shots that Rakia normally would get. Um, it's really frustrating to watch, especially when you know there's coaches out there that are really good X's and O's. I mean, if you have to sacrifice one recruiter to get somebody who can call an offense and defense for you can save a job. Uh, Doug said, you know, as far as like NIL and recruiting, he said, how much as we as fans are willing to pay to win for me, it's taking the enjoyment away from the game. Uh, I get that. Uh, especially this time of year when you see players leveraging, I mean, they're, they, I mean, they're pulling a page out of the Mike Gundy, uh, <laughs> the Mike Gundy, you know, stuff here. Mike Gundy's uh, Mike, own son entered the portal this week. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he, he, uh, Mike taunted Oklahoma state with him leaving multiple times using Tennessee actually once or twice in that process just to gain a monetary advantage for himself. So, um, now we're seeing players do that too. Uh, Zach said, I'm so upset at the volleyball game. Zach, I'm glad you mentioned this. Um, that was a fantastic game. Yeah. So our volleyball team lost in the sweet 16 to the defending national champion, Texas Longhorns. What Texas was defending champs, weren't they? Yep. I'm pretty sure I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, they were. Uh, the volleyball team, as you know, you may or may not know, they uh, they play a best three out of five. And if it goes to a fifth set, the game shortens for the set shortens from 25 to 15 points. And we actually were up. I believe we lost the first set. Then we won the next two. Yep. 
we so were one we were point two away. One. We were we were we were set point um in in uh game three or game four. Um we were one point away from winning it all and um they rallied back. I mean it was we were it was literally one point away and they got a couple of quick points, won the fourth set, put it in the fifth. Fifth actually went extra points. Um yeah. it didn't get it didn't get into at fifteen. But, you know, one of our best players got injured, didn't get to play. Um, if she had played, we probably win that game. Um, but it was crazy hard fought. Both teams were playing out of their minds. There was some unbelievable effort. Um, it was, it was fantastic to watch. And it really, you know, everything we've talked about really speaks to the shirt Rustin's wearing right now. Tennessee is in everything school. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about it. Side note, uh, if you would like to purchase that shirt, uh, you can do so at the uh, once again, that is thevolbros.com. <laughs> and they've and they've got almost everybody returning next year. So they they're gonna be a contender next year. Everybody's kind of watching them. When if you watch that match, the announcers kept talking about they're like everybody's watching Tennessee. Um, they've been shocked at what Tennessee has, how much they've grown, how good they are, and they're all looking at them as the team to beat next year. So At thevolbros.com, uh, if you click on the top right corner on shop, uh, you can see all these beautiful designs. Wow, those are just gorgeous. Um, let's see. Is it showing for you? It's not showing on there, I don't think. Is it? Yeah. Can you see the designs? Oh, no. Uh-uh. Yeah, I don't know why it's frozen. Oh, wait, here we go. There they are. <laughs> um Here's the everything school shirt. This is the long sleeve version. Uh, the one that Rustin is wearing uh, is once the spinning wheel of, of death finishes. Um, it is $24.99. There's a hoodie. Wow. Look at that. A, a pickleball paddle set. Everything <laughs> school. How about that? Man, that is high quality stuff. Uh, there is a t-shirt. $24.99. You can get it in white, black, navy or smoky gray. Uh, so you know what? I'll tell you what, just to, uh, help everybody out, I'll put that in the comments right now, actually. <laughs> um, uh, the link to that. There you go. Uh, so, and, and for all the people who are watching us on, uh, Twitter right now, we had 31 people watching. Now we're down 21, I guess, cause I started talking about the shirt, but, uh, for right. all you folks, we, uh, we really appreciate y'all watching too. And so I will put that in the comments on, Twitter as well. Uh, so great shirt. It's a great shirt. Uh, anyway, so, uh, back to the NIL stuff. Um, side note, go volleyball. It is an everything school. Uh, we look forward to seeing them play well again next year. Uh, Brent said uh, he agrees with Doug. He doesn't think we'll recognize college football in five more years. Well, and well, Brent and Doug, let me just tell you, good news is coming. Congress is trying to get actively involved in NIL. So I'm <laughs> sure they'll solve everything and it won't possibly get worse with their involvement. Yeah, no chance, right? I mean, like it's only going to get better if that's the case. Um, sarcasm font. And by the way, <laughs> yeah, um, we yeah, had this the last, dude. The last people you want involved in this is Congress. Yeah. Um, it was funny. Tommy Tuberville was actually on... Um, 
was actually on Mac and Cube one day talking about a bill that he and Joe Manchin were trying to write to help with NIL. And um, it's Tommy Tuberville, Senator or House of Representatives. He's a senator. Yeah. So he was talking about how the Senate actually understands NIL, but the House of Representatives literally know nothing. And like they're asking basic questions like, wait, players can get paid in congressional hearings. So these are the people you want making this decision. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That sounds like a great plan. Uh, once again, sarcasm fun. <laughs> we had uh, we had a guy, a Michigan fan, who was very displeased with Rustin's take on <laughs> Michigan. And he was he was talking about, man, the SEC, they just they're terrible and all this kind of stuff. And I said, Yeah, five teams in the top 13 of the rankings, they're terrible. I agree. And he goes, I can't believe you just admitted it. And I was like, dude, that was sarcasm. <laughs> and and then uh it it was hilarious. There were like multiple comments back and forth where I was still being sarcastic in the comment, just you know, like obviously making a joke, and he thought I was totally being serious. Um, so if the hey buddy, if you're watching, is I'm thank you for watching. If you're so watching, <laughs> I doubt he is. Um uh, let's see. Doug said, I don't mind players getting paid, but there needs to be better guidelines in place. Yeah, I totally understand that for sure. Um, I've told this story on here before, but um, a friend of mine's daughter signed with Michigan State. And, um, you know, initially they were saying NIL could not be connected with the university, that it had to be a third party co collective, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, they get there. They get there to meet with the coaching staff and they, sorry, I got the hiccups. It's miserable. It's a, a Volro's um, first. It's the first time you ever had the hiccups live on time. Hey, it's live, get, man. And I yeah. can't get rid of it. Um, <laughs> they show up for her meeting with the coach to talk about her package. And it says $7,000 a year NIL on her student aid report. And oh, they were man. like, wait, why is this on here? And they were like, oh, every every Michigan State softball player gets $7,000 a year in NIL money. And they were like, isn't this supposed to be outside of the university? And they're like, yeah, ah, nobody cares. I mean, literally, that's how they respond. They're like, ah, nobody cares. It's fine. Um, zero repercussions. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to Michigan State, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we, we know that kid. Um. Tony said, given the players and their parents too much power will destroy college athletics, especially the parents part of that. Uh, the, the best teams only get better side times. Well, it's the parents part. That's very, very true. Well, and now and it's going to start happening more and more in high school athletics. Yeah. And unfortunately, in minor sports and in Olympic sports, now they're allowed to have advisors, which is just code for agents that haven't signed contracts yet. Um. And that's making it even more complicated. You know, college baseball, they all have advisors now um, because they have the opportunity to potentially go pro out of high school. So they have to connect with an agent in case they decide to go that route. But if for some reason they don't like their draft status and they decide to go to college, they can maintain their advisor. And, you know, so the college coaches aren't just having to deal with the kid and the parent anymore. There's also this third-party agent that they're having to navigate as well. Yep. Um, Brant said, 
I'm with the government and I'm here to help. <laughs> yeah, that's a phrase that you always want to hear, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug said, at this point in my life, I no longer watch any pro sports. And I used to watch almost all of them. Um, he said, now college football is going the way of the pros. And I think pr- there's probably a lot of fe- people that feel that same way. Yeah, uh, I totally understand that. Uh, like I said, you know, I, I think Doug mentioned it earlier. I, I want to see the kids get paid. I mean, they're risking their lives out there doing that. Uh, but you also want to see, you know, at least maybe some guidance, you know, guidelines and stuff. Um, Brant said, doesn't Missouri have a law that helps their players stay in state? Yes, that is 100% accurate. But there's a loophole after year one. So what you're going to see is a bunch of kids from Missouri are going to stay at Missouri for their freshman year, cash in, and then transfer. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Zach said he agreed with Doug. He doesn't watch much pro sports except baseball. Um, let's see. Hey, Kelly, what's up, buddy? Good to have you with us. He said, what's up, bros? Go Big Orange. Absolutely, go Big Orange. Uh, Doug said the worst words you can hear is I'm from the government. I mean, that's exactly right. Uh, I think that's what Brant was saying too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the uh, Wade twins daddy. Okay. So I'm not familiar with this. I didn't hear the this. Wade twins are the twins from Kentucky or from Kentucky. They're from Nashville. Okay. And, yes. I did hear this. Yes. And their dad, their dad basically yeah. leveraged money to, to get the best offer, took them up to Kentucky and then they didn't play, which anybody who watched those kids could have predicted they're not going to play early on. Um, then he basically said that his son, that's a quarterback should have been starting. Yep. Um, yeah, that, that one went off the rails in a hurry. Yeah. As soon as you said Kentucky, I immediately remembered seeing that photo of the two of them standing there and they're after practice or something one day. And when I, excuse me, when I read that dad's comments, I literally felt like I was reading a high school player's dad's talking or something. Mm-hmm. I was like, what in the world is going on? And, and like he said, he is gonna he is gonna make it hard on his kids because coaches oh, aren't sure. gonna put up with it. No, like I agree. Those two kids are gonna sit in the portal forever because no coach is gonna be like, "Yeah, I'll handle this." Yeah, for sure. Uh, Brant said, "I can see me and Doug going to high school games a couple of years to see players playing for love of the game <laughs> or for love of their team." <laughs> Hate um, to tell you this, but NIL is now in high school also, <laughs> and in some states, yeah, uh, there, there's so here in Tennessee, there's been a proposal. Uh, we already have certain NIL stipulations for high school players right here in Tennessee, but uh, that it's allowed, but there's actually been a proposal, I think within the last month, uh, right here in Tennessee for players to be able to transfer to any school for athletic purposes. Uh, so if a kid, you know, doesn't like his playing time in one school, he's going to transfer to another, It no big it got, deal. It got voted down last week, but I'm sure they'll bring it up again oh, in a year. Yeah. The fact that they're talking about it, that means it's eventually coming. Yeah. Um, but I want to go back to really the original comment because I, I think I think Brant's more spot on than anybody may think because he used the number five. And I think that's very significant because there was a Big Ten official. Uh, like a, he was a not a president of a university, but he was an assistant something or other. I can't, it was a, it was a higher up at a big 10 university and he was being interviewed 
and listen, if somebody were to say this, you know, and they're just some random person, you wouldn't really buy into it very much. But the fact that a a Big Ten official at a at a you know Big Ten university said this publicly, that means that they're already talking about it. But he straight up said that he it would not be shocking to him if within the next five years the power three, if it's just three or maybe power four conferences, leave the NCAA and start a revenue sharing model with their players. Okay. That's, he said that publicly. You don't say that publicly unless people are already talking about it. And I mean, that's, that's pretty significant stuff. And so, I mean, here's the thing, the NCAA if there is a power three and and so let's say the big 12 dissolves into, or no, let's keep the big 12. Let's say the ACC, which is probably more likely. Let's say the ACC dissolves into the other three conferences. So now you've got, what would that be? Probably, I mean, there, there's an average of 16, almost 18 in four of them right now. So they would all, if the ACC dissolved, they would all have to go up to 20. Some at least, at least, uh, maybe more. So, I mean, you're talking probably close to 70 teams, 65 to 70 teams. And it's your largest universities, your biggest money-making universities. Yep. I mean, they at that point, they could look at the NCAA and say, peace, you know, and they could do their own thing. So in five years, there is absolutely no telling uh, what, if okay, first of all, if the NCAA is even a thing anymore, um, and if not, what would college football look like? Uh, Cole Kubelik just liked the like the 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 show on Twitter just then our, our post you know that has our live stream on Twitter. Cole Kubelik just liked it on Twitter. Cole, if you're watching, I would love to hear your opinion about what we just said. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, so if you want to put in the comments, that'd be amazing. Better yet, if you want to join us on air, you can DM me right now and I will send you a link. <laughs> uh, Cole, Cole's the man. Um, so that, that was, that was neat. That was a nice little thing there. Uh, let's see. Brent, uh, Brent said, or no, I already got that one. Uh, Zach said, uh, Notre Dame still won't join a conference. <laughs> I'll tell you that's they may that's have actually, to. That's actually an interesting comment. I mean, it may get to a place where they just don't have a choice anymore. Like if they want to be a part of that revenue share, they're going to have to. Yeah. So I mean, you know, that's that's the interesting thing. If the NCAA goes away, then that forces Notre Dame to do something, because right now the the thing that's protecting Notre Dame's independent status is the NCAA. But if all these other conferences are saying, no, 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 you have to be in one of our conferences, or or you can't be part of whatever name league that they create, then the, the Notre Dame's going to have to do it. Like they, they're not going to have a choice. So I, I think that's a really good point, Zach. I mean, like they're, they're, their hand is going to be forced to do something. Um, that's, that's a really good point. Well, uh, did I leave anything out? I think we covered everything. It's been a busy weekend. It's going to get more busy. I mean, you know, and everybody just has to realize stuff's going to happen. People are going to move. I think the greatest example of that I've seen in the last week, Isaiah Nayor. Okay. Two years ago, Isaiah Nayor was one of the top wide receivers in the entire country at Wyoming. He almost came to Tennessee, narrowed it down to Tennessee and Texas. 
went to Texas. They essentially didn't use him the way they promised they would. He kind of took a step back. He's back in the portal. Yep. So a guy who two years ago was one of the top wide receivers in America is available again. Um, you know, things are going to happen. People are going to shift. Everybody was freaking out about um, Jonathan Eccles. We said this a week and a half ago. You're going to see Division One coaches. It's already happening in all the minor sports. Now it's going to start happening in the major sports. You're going to see Division One coaches taking freshmen and saying, hey, I'm going to loan you to this school over here. I want you to go there, get reps as a freshman, get playing time, grow, develop, and in two years we're going to bring you back. And, you know, it's the perfect situation to have Alex Golish at South Florida. He can, he can send guys there. He can develop them instead of them sitting on the bench waiting their turn in Knoxville and then go sign them later out of the portal. You're going to see it more and more and more. And, you know, it was amazing to me when I saw people freaking out over um, Jonathan Eccles committing to South Florida. It's not a big deal. He's just making a business decision for a couple of years and then he'll be back. Um, you know, it's, it's just not, it's not the same anymore and, and it's going to keep happening. I think the most important thing about what you just said is I think Jonathan Eccles sees the benefit for him too. Yeah. Uh, Because he's like, well, I can go to Tennessee and he knows they're going to get somebody coming in from the portal this year. And they've already got Okoye and uh, Ethan Davis on, on the roster. So he knows if he can come to Tennessee, but he's going to be fourth on the depth chart and he's not going to get on the field. And, or like, he knows he can, he can go to, to USF start probably day one and get developed for a year or two and then come to Tennessee. I mean, it's, it's a, and then he would be stepping on the field day one at Tennessee and yeah. still have probably two years in major college football and SEC and then get drafted. I mean, it's it's a a solid business decision for Jonathan Eccles to do that. Yeah. It's like I told everybody last week. There is a basketball player right now in the Horizon League. He will probably make all conference this year, and he's going to come back and play there again next year. He's a sophomore. And at the end of next year, I'm going to tell you right now, this is going to happen. You're going to hear at the end of next year, a kid's going to transfer from the Horizon League to Mississippi State. It was a done deal over a year ago. He was planted at this school to get reps, to get playing time for three years. He's getting an engineering degree in three years. When he's done, he's going and taking his COVID year, and he's playing two years at Mississippi State for the sole purpose of the NBA draft. That's all he's focused on at that point. It's going to keep happening. Zach said, what's his name? I don't think Rustin can say so as not to break the trust of people who say things. <laughs> yes, I can't. I can't. When it happens, I'll tell you his name. Um, but just know there is a school in the Horizon League who has a sophomore right now who after next year will be transferring to Mississippi State. I like what uh, what, what Doug said. Uh, Doug said he's taking one for the team saying it past his bedtime. I appreciate that, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Doug was our college football pick and challenge winner. Uh, so he, he won the, he got his $50 alumni hall gift card. Uh, Doug, I hope you're enjoying that thing, man. Perfect time, right in time for Christmas. 
Um, Zach said, I'd love to talk to Cole if you can make that happen. That'd be awesome. I agree. I'd, I'd love to talk to him too. <laughs> uh, Zach said that Nayer better choose the right shade of orange. Tony said that Nayer tore his ACL's first year <coughs> at Texas. He did. He did, but that's not why he's in the portal. He's in the portal because he wasn't happy with how they decided they were going to use him. And he asked again if that was going to be his role. And they said, yes, moving into next year, he was going to keep the same role they had him in before the injury. And that's why he's back in the portal. Hey, Carl's with us now. Welcome, Carl. Good to have you, buddy. Good to see you. He said, uh, I thought we'd lose Eccles when Golish got the job at UCF, your USF. Um, you know, hopefully, like we said, hopefully that's a, uh, a transition ground right now for him. And he's going to play one or two years and then he'll be back in orange after that. I told uh, you all, there. I told you all two and a half, three weeks ago, there's a tight end coming to Knoxville next year. And it ain't Jonathan Eccles. Yep. Yep. And um, I actually, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say anything about that one either. Um, Scott, welcome, Scott. Good to have you, buddy. He said, I'm personally not a fan of the portal. Uh, it certainly made it more about the money. I can put it that way. It's, it's definitely more about money now. Uh, hey, that's what I'm talking about, Doug. He said he's going out next Saturday to put that gift card to you. So that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. Now you're just rubbing it in. <laughs> uh, just so everybody knows, uh, the Volbro schedule for the rest of the month of December I'm not sure if everybody's aware of this, but Sundays are going to be busy this month. Uh, we've got uh, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve are both Sunday nights. Well, we won't be going live those two nights. And so what we're going to do, uh, just, just so everybody knows, and I'll put this out on Twitter and stuff too, so we can all you know make plans accordingly. Um, let's see. So this week, the 13th and the 20th. What about next Sunday? Are you free next Sunday? Yeah, sure. 17th. I am, yeah, I am too. So we have three days for sure that we're going to be going live this month. And instead of Thursday, it's going to be Wednesday. Uh, and that actually works out pretty good because like the next basketball game is Tuesday. And so we'll go live the day after that for a reaction show. Uh, so there's the, the three more times this month that we're going to go live is Wednesday, December 13th, Sunday, December 17th, and Wednesday, December 20th. Those are going to be our three live shows. If by some chance we can figure out a time the week between Christmas and New Year's to go live, we'll do it if we can figure out a time uh, to, to kind of preview the bowl game. But I personally am going to be very, very busy that week. Uh, I'll be out of town for part of that week. Um, so I'm I'm not sure. So, uh, but for sure, we will be live the 13th, the 17th, and the 20th. So Danico Slaughter just tweeted out a message to Tennessee fans. Um, and the first two paragraphs are just the standard stuff everybody says. Um, but the third paragraph is pretty interesting and I want to read it real quick. Cause he basically confirmed what we said at the beginning of this. He says, after sir, after careful consideration, I've decided to enter my name in the transfer portal. This decision is about my personal growth and aspirations. 
and in no way diminishes the gratitude and love I feel for the University of Tennessee. I am sincerely thankful for the opportunity and memories here. So, you know, a guy who makes that statement is basically confirming what we were saying. He's looking around the room and going, if I'm going to keep playing, I got to go somewhere else because these young guys over here, after a year in a strength program, I'm not going to be able to beat them out anymore. That was very well said. Like yeah. I, that was a great, great post. Uh, fantastic post. Um, that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Zach's pumped about our schedule for the rest of the month. Um, he said, uh, awesome. I can come every day now. Sometime out. Ooh, Tony made a great point. I was thinking that was the 14th. So I'm glad you said that. Uh, Tony made a good point. So next year's SEC football schedule for the entire conference is going to be released game by game, you know, for every team, not, not just the conference games, every team's full schedule, including out of conference games uh, on the 13th on SEC network. And I was, I'm so glad you said that. I was thinking that was going to be the 14th. So I'm glad, I'm glad I was wrong. So that'll be perfect. You know, that that'll happen. I think it's seven or seven 30 that night. Will people care about that. <laughs> nah. <laughs> um, so we'll we'll make sure to go live after that's over. Uh, I'll, I'll have to check the uh, I'll have to check the time time slot on that. Uh, that I'm sure SEC like a, Network will milk that for every commercial they can get out of it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Like I'm thinking it'll go at least till nine o'clock, maybe nine thirty or ten. So uh, we'll we'll be sure to you know follow that. If they do it alphabetically, Tennessee will be near the end. Um, but you know, they we'll can't see do it happens. alphabetically because if they do, Vanderbilt will be last and everybody will turn it off 30 minutes early. <laughs> They'll yeah. have to go sporadic yeah. to everybody's interest. Yeah, exactly. Zach said, too bad it's not 13th and on a Friday. <laughs> uh, Doug said, he's looking now. I got the hiccups. Um, looking forward to seeing the schedule of every team. Yeah, me too. We kind of already know Tennessee's, uh, you know, there are a couple of the insiders have released that. Um, Tennessee has a tough, if they're all correct, which I'm sure they are, Tennessee has kind of a tough three-game stretch near the middle of the season, but uh, we'll see what happens. Um, and the more and more consolidation happens and the more and more all these mega conferences get created, there's not going to be such a thing as a schedule that doesn't have a rough stretch in it. I mean, they're all... For sure they're all just going to keep getting harder and harder for sure. Uh, so Zach made a really good point. He said, I, I can't wait to see Georgia and Bama's non cupcake schedule. That's a very good point. Yeah. Bama has, excuse me, Georgia, Georgia has like eight tough games next year. Um, like they, they are not going to have an easy year next year. Um, Tony, he, he was thanking me or telling me no problem for when I thanked him for helping us out. He said, love to help out the show, fellas. <laughs> and he said, love the show. We appreciate that, man. Uh, you, you, you add to the show for sure, for sure. And so that was, that was very helpful. So that'll be, that's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, so we'll, we'll go live Wednesday, the 13th. That'll be our next show. Uh, and then, so that'll give us the Georgia Southern basketball game to talk about. And also the SEC schedule reveal to talk about. And then, um, so that'll be a super short show, I'm sure. Um, and then uh, that'll be a fun one. Uh, then Sunday the 17th and Wednesday the 20, 20th. 20th. Uh, so those will be the, the th three days for sure that we're live. Well, all right. 
Um, uh, he's actually excited because he can join us. He said he doesn't <laughs> have to work on Thursdays, or he has to work on Thursdays. So he's excited. Praise the Lord, man. I, hey, I'm all, I'm with you on that. Well, all right. Well, it's been a whole lot of fun. Uh, this was a productive evening. Um, I'm going to probably clip out that part where we talked about uh, is Dalton Connett the best player since Allen Houston at Tennessee. I'm going to make that its own little standalone video. <laughs> um, let's see. Doug said, do you think Georgia is going to pay Carson Beck $4 million to play next year? No, I don't. I think a booster will. I was about to say, I, I don't think the University of Georgia will even touch that with a 10-foot pole, but they might tell him, hey, drive down the street, and there will be a guy in a black car, and, and he'll <laughs> hand you a, a, a bag of money. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. McDonald's bags. <laughs> yeah. No, it's Georgia. Uh, It'll be Chick-fil-A. Yeah, <laughs> so that's a good point. Uh, Zach's saying he's predicting 106 to 56 balls win on Tuesday. I mean, maybe. Very possible. <laughs> That that could that could happen, depending on if how you well look at, defense. If you look at the rest of Georgia Southern schedule, that's actually mathematically that would hold pretty true. Uh, so that's exciting, uh, exciting day to be a Vols fan. A whole lot of going on, whole lot of going on. Uh, be sure to check out the Volbros.com, that shop button. You can get one of those cool everything school shirts like Rustin has. Um, that's a good looking shirt right there. He's got it in black. It also comes in navy and white and in uh, smoky gray. So uh, only $24.99. That's what I'm talking about. Perfect Christmas gift. Um, so hope everybody has a wonderful, wonderful evening. Uh, we sure do appreciate y'all joining us tonight. And uh, go Vols, baby. Go Vols. <laughs>